0: Good morning. The scripture reading today comes from 2 Peter and the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Please follow along in your bulletins. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or, There! For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, The days will come when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. They will say to you, Look there, look here. Do not go away, and do not run after them. For just like the lightning, when it flashes out of one part of the sky, shines to the other part of the sky, so will the son of man be in his day but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation and just as it happened in the days of noah so it will be also in the days of the son of man they were eating they were drinking they were marrying they were being given to each other in marriage until the day that noah entered the ark and the flood came And destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, the one who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house must not go down to take them out. And likewise, the one who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life or loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, and the other will be left. There will be two women grinding at the same place. One will be taken, and the other will be left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, and the other will be left. And answering, and answering, they said to him, where, Lord? And he said to them, where the body is, there also the vultures will be gathered. This is God's word.
1: How you guys doing? Oh come on. That's pitiful. How you doing? I don't know about you, every time I see that video, it's like, whoa. Uh, you just realize uh, as in most of life that we are all just kind of little ants standing on the shoulders of people who've gone before us who were faithful and trusted the Lord. And it's just amazing to be here where we are right now. This is our second Compass meeting. That means that we as a church have existed for two and a half years, which I think is amazing as we dreamed about this many, many years ago. So we, devi- we d- developed and designed this meeting to be kind of like a, like a dinner table at our house, so, which is crazy, chaotic. Uh, active. It's going to be running forward. There's, there's not going to be any food during this time, but there'll be food after this time. But our hope is, is that you will see what people do in their ministries as lay people, as staff, and see where God is leading us. The goal this time is to look at where we've been. John Bechtel, his dad, 1940s, 1930s, four people. Where we are now, you sitting here in this Sanctuary, which is an IT center, during the week, and where we hope to go. Uh, I don't know how you feel like when you think of where we hope to go. Sometimes, to me, that's, that's a scary thing. And it seems like people are talking a lot about the future and where we hope to go, where we hope to be. You look at Korea. You look at all the things going economically. You look at the world. And if you are a Christ follower, often you talk about when Christ will come back again. The Bible looks at time this way, just so you know. There was eternity past, and in that, God existed. Not a ball of gas that exploded, but God. And God spoke, and we have creation. God's word, he created everything, and at the end of each one of those things, he said it was good. Except for man, where he created a partner, community, relationships. Then we have the fall, sometime amongst that creation, man chose to become God instead of follow God. And everything was broken. All the relationships that God meant to be healthy and strong were fractured. Our relationship with God was fractured. Our relationship with ourself was fractured. We became schizophrenic because we can't really know who we are unless we know who God is. Our relationship with people around us became broken. Our relationship with nature became crushed. And then one day, 2,000 years ago, God sends his son and in that, there's this period of redemption. So we have creation, we have fall, we have redemption. And Christ comes and he redeems everything. He makes all things new. He, he, he binds relationships. His spirit is like this seed that's planted in the ground and it grows. And you see amazing things happen. And it's not always a boom, but it's, it's slow and it's steady growth. And he's redeeming. He's buying back. He's fixing things. He's healing things. He's making things new. And then one day, when he comes back again, there'll be what we call restoration, that he'll restore all things. The Bible at the end of the last book, Revelations, talks about there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. So we have creation, we have fall, we have redemption, and we have restoration. And we, as God's people, are in this middle of his redemption and his restoration time. Sometimes it's a weird time, sometimes it's a strange time, it's a it's a now time, but it's a not yet time. We see God moving, we see the Holy Spirit moving, but we don't necessarily see the full manifestation of that. We don't see families totally fixed, we don't see people totally free from sin. We still see brokenness, we still see problem because it's a now time, but it's not a not yet time. In the not yet time, when Christ comes again, everything is made new and everything's fixed and everything is healed. And we have this passage today, and Jesus is talking to two groups of people. The first two sentences, and that's all we're going to look at today. He's talking to the Pharisees. In the last, two, the last 12 sentences, he's talking to his disciples. And again, he's talking about the future. And Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God coming more than any, any other thing in, in, in the Bible. He's always talked about the kingdom of God. kingdom of God coming. Up, up until this point in Luke, we've been going through it for a year and a half, he's talked about the kingdom of God 27 times. Okay, we're only in chapter 17. So he just talks about over and over. And so the Pharisees ask the question, which is a fair question, being that that's what Jesus is about. When will this come? They want to know. They want to know the signs. They want to know when it's happening. And so they're in there, and they don't understand that when Christ came, he started this redemption period They're still looking back and they're looking towards the future when Christ comes again in power and strength and he restores the kingdom, he restores everything. They don't see that Christ started that process when he came. They have a different expectation of how God should work and they want him to work a certain way and he's not working that certain way. I don't know if you do that, but I I do that all the time. I want God to work certain ways and he doesn't work that way and I get disappointed and I wonder if he's still there and what's he doing? And, And this is what the Pharisees said. And so they said, when is it going to come? And Jesus never answers a question. It's interesting. He always gives another question, or he always answers a different question, the question probably that we should have asked. And he says to them in verse 21, it's not going to be something that you see. It's not going to be observed this first time, but it's going to be something that's quiet and hidden and working like a seed under the ground. And then he says in verse 21, which is the words that I just want to end with and we talk about. He says, therefore, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Now, in the Greek, that word is a very specific word. It means it's among you. It's it's around you. It's in your presence. But it's just not a word that says this is what's happening or this is what's true. It's a word that demands action. It's like you saying, hey, there's a million dollars on that ground right in front of you. You wouldn't just look at that and go, well, that's cool, and walk away. Hopefully you would grab it. Maybe you would ask to see if someone has it or what, you know, try to be honest with it or something like that. But you couldn't just look at it and just observe it and then walk away. And he's saying that to the, deci- to the Pharisees right here. He's saying God's kingdom is everywhere. It's in me. It's moving. It's like a seed. But that's just not enough. The question is, what are you going to do with that truth? Are you going to accept that truth and allow God's spirit to come in you and heal you and change you and fix you and redeem you? And as you do that, are you going to allow yourself to be used by God to go out and redeem and fix and heal and choose and help others around you? So the the, the Pharisees wanted power and they wanted God to come back and destroy the Romans. They wanted they wanted to be elevated, and they wanted the end times. They wanted the, the restoration time. But Jesus says, no, we're, we're in this redeeming time. And so the Pharisees didn't get Jesus. But if we're honest, sometimes we don't get him coming a second time. And if we're honest, most of us want the fun, the compassionate, the loving, the gentle, the gracious, the kind, the suffering servant, the guy who washes people's feet. That's, that's the Jesus we want, right? Right? The Pharisees couldn't handle that. They wanted power. They wanted strength. They wanted a king. They wanted a king for their kingdom. But we, today, we have a hard time with that, don't we? I mean, to think that we're accountable to God, to think that there's going to be a king who's going to come and he's going to ask us how he used our stuff he gave us, to think that there's going to be a king who's going to come and it's, and it's his kingdom that we're living for and it's not my kingdom that I'm living for, and so in one way, we both miss the meaning of the passage. The Pharisees missed it because Jesus was there, and he was doing these things, and he was healing these things, and it was taken forth. And we miss it sometimes because we don't ever think about him coming again. We don't ever think about his kingdom, and what it's going to look like. We don't ever think about what he's going to ask of us. That's scary to be accountable for everything that he's given us. But the passage is looking towards the future, and the question again is, the kingdom of God is amongst you. What are you going to do with that? We're going to pray right now, and we want to bring up some of the staff and the volunteers And they're going to share with you what we've been trusting the Lord for and what we think God is doing because this church is not responsible for bringing God's kingdom. God is responsible for bringing God's kingdom. God is the one that changes people's lives. God is the one that heals people. God is the one that fixes marriages. Um, The church is just here to be used by God amongst all that. And so we want to share with you what God has used us with as this body this last year. And then we want to share with you some prayers that we're hoping that he will continue to do as we think he's moving us as a congregation. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. We thank you for your message and for your word. We thank you that the message isn't something that is just looking towards the future when you come in power and strength, but it's a message that looks towards the now and what we will do with your gospel and how we will use it. And so as a church, Lord, we don't presume to know for sure this is what you've called all of us to do. We walk in faith and we trust you. And we walk in faith. The question for us, Lord, is help us to be found faithful with all these things. Help us to be found faithful with the stewardship that you've given us. And help us to have a vision of a big God who's moving and changing and cannot be bound. And so we lift up this time to you, and we pray that you be well-pleased and honored as we serve you.
2: Amen. Good morning, church family. Can I hear a good morning? (laughs) Awesome. Good to hear you have some energy. My name is Natalie Mann, and uh, I'm the director of children's ministry here at Watermark.
3: I'm Sherman Ng, the
4: children's ministry coordinator.
2: And we're so excited that you guys are here.
4: (laughs) I'm no one special.
2: (laughs) He's talking later. (laughs) Graham, you're just our support team. Okay, so we are excited. This is Graham. He'll be talking later. But we're excited to have you here today. (laughs) And um, we want to share a little bit about where Watermark Kids is today and where we want to see Watermark Kids grow It's been exciting to see the hearts of our kids change in the past two years. We've had phenomenal growth in our kids' lives and in our families' lives here at Watermark. And without further ado, I want to introduce Graham Smith.
4: All right, I feel like somebody again. All right, I think we must be the only church in the world where our Sunday schools are named by such names as Ocean, River, and Surf. And uh, when I heard the name surf, I I had in my my mind this picture of sunshine, waves, beach. It was beautiful. And my first day in the classroom felt like I was surfing in a typhoon rather than a a sort of a sunny day on the beach. And I really thought that... uh, when I I, what I was going to do was walk into the classroom and be teaching the kids about God and about stories from the Bible but what I found was that I was actually learning from them and these kids were incredibly good at teaching me a few things for example uh, one day we actually had to bring the kids back halfway through the service so they're getting ready to come in and I said to them all right when we go in, we need to be quiet. And there was a little bit of grunting and groaning. And I said, do you know why we need to be quiet when we go back into the service? And with that, a certain little boy put up his hand and said, yes, because some people will be sleeping. (laughs) So, you can't argue with that. And uh, can't argue with that, right? And then uh, their their biblical knowledge also totally astounds me. Uh, We were were doing a little bit of a warm-up activity. And... um, I, was, I said to them, what is small, cute, and has two big ears? And one little girl put up her hand and said, I know the answer is Jesus, but I think it's a rabbit. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but anyway, when, when I did start, I really did think that I would be going into the classroom and sort of teaching these kids. And I really thought more of it as sort of a, a knowledge about God. But what I found was that God was taking it much deeper, and it was about relationships. Relationships about me with them as their teacher, uh, them with each other, because we're called into a community, and above all, their relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's been amazing to see that that's something that's growing and changing in the kids, and it challenges me every week. Um, and one thing I, I did think about when I volunteered, right? The, ver- the word volunteer, I always think it's, it's me giving up my time to serve others. And yes, that is, that is part of it, right? But it's much more about an investment, an investment in the lives of these kids. And I don't see them as the way we're moving forward. I don't see them as children. I see them as these are the future husbands and wives of a community. These are the future leaders in our churches. And these are the future leaders in our communities. And just as we we see these kids growing, and I think about the privilege it is to be able to invest in their lives, I see it as an investment, not volunteering, but also as we see these kids growing an investment in my walk with God, because I've seen Him say and do things in the lives of these kids, but also in my personal life. So if any of you are thinking about volunteering, I can promise you It's not always going to be a great surf, it's not always going to be sunshine, but it is going to be an awesome ride, and not only with these kids, but also with your walk with God. So
5: thank you. Hi, I'm Eric Scott, I'm the youth guy here at Watermark, and this is Dave McConnell. He wanted to sit down so that he could have a better view of you guys, I guess.
6: This isn't going to be David and Goliath. He's a good Goliath.
5: <laughs> so, I just wanted to have Dave share a little bit about his experience sharing with the youth, or serving with the youth. And so, first, uh, why did you start serving with the youth?
6: I had no thought of serving with the youth until Tobin asked me. <laughs> and uh, I'd served uh, collectively in our community group and I'd counted money, which I wasn't very good at in the offering and uh, uh, so Tobin asked me to meet you, and you seem quite normal. <laughs> and, uh, Surprising, so I know. I, so I met, I met Eric, and, and he said, uh, come once on a Friday or a Sunday, and if you can't take it, you're out of there. And uh, he was very generous that way. And, and uh, so I said to Eric, I'd give it a try.
5: And what are some things that you've learned during your time serving with the youth?
6: I think the first thing, serving with youth, was... Um, you know sometimes we are reluctant to to leave the congregation because we we think we are going to miss a sermon and a message and what I really enjoyed with youth was that you know there was a sermon which you you prepared and a lesson and it was an interactive one and actually the kids sharpened my mind so that was that was the one thing I enjoyed is I never really felt like I was stepping out of uh the service and uh The second thing I I learned is that the kids get along really well. I thought I was going to have to be like your backup and, uh, you know, there'd be plates and mobile phones flying and uh, it wasn't that case at all. There was a mutual respect and the kids really, yeah, it's kind of what Graham said, uh, you know, you kind of, uh, it's mutual respect the more you put in you get you reap what you sow and and the kids will share and i found that fantastic and their hearts are open to the gospel and sometimes we have to remind be reminded we need to have a little bit of fun too and church can't be such a serious thing so if you can uh if you can grasp that i thought i think serving in youth is really great
5: it'll keep you from sleeping in service too <laughs> Um, But anyways, the youth group has been growing this year, both as a community and in numbers. And it looks like it's going to keep growing. There's a huge group of kids moving up from surf to youth next year. Um, But as a ministry, we've been doing some really cool stuff, trying to reach out to the community around us. We've been visiting four different international schools every week this semester, trying to interact with kids there, running alpha programs and clubs. Uh, We started a new outreach this week with kids from our local community opening up the community center and offering to help practice speaking English with them on Wednesdays at lunchtime. And we had over 25 kids come out for our first time of doing that. So as we move forward, we're looking for new ways that we can reach out to the kids in our community. There's a group coming to Hong Kong, starting work here in the fall called Young Life, that does a lot of work focusing on the unchurched. And we have already started talking with them about how we can partner with them, what we can do together with them to help unchurched kids hear about Jesus. And with the kids in our own group, we've been working with them as well, trying to focus on how we can help them grow as a community, how we can get them connected to the church. We've started a new big brother, big sister program where we've connected each of the kids in the youth with an adult from the church to try and get them in a discipling relationship and get them plugged into the church at large as a body. And obviously, with all this stuff going on, it's not stuff that I can do by myself. And so we need help. If you guys feel that this is something that God's calling you to do, please talk to me after the service. Is there anything else you wanted to add?
6: I just that really uh, the youth are part of our church family, and it gives you a different level to communicate to the youth. And uh, one other thing is uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I've been collecting watermark pens uh, (laughs) in my house. And... uh, This is the lowest number I think I've had, which is pretty embarrassing, but I want to give these back to you because, uh, you know, whoever designed that pen, that is the greatest pen. It lasts forever. So I want to give my pens back to Watermark, but uh, I think uh, collectively we've been all taking away something from uh, Watermark and... uh, You know, whether it be friendship or fellowship and, and our spiritual growth, and uh, Kip, don't be giving me a hard time after the, about this, taking pens, and don't take any yourself there. And uh, <laughs> But I think, uh, as I say, we've all been taking away something from Watermark, uh, and our hearts are growing stronger and uh, are more open, and it's just nice to think, wow, if it, maybe, maybe pens looks a little simple, but... Maybe it would be nice if we give a few things back to Watermark, too, given what we've been collecting and uh, benefiting
7: from. Mm. That's, that's
6: my last yeah. message.
7: Um, my name is Mike, and this is Jason here with me. And we are sharing a little bit about the university work at Watermark. And, uh, yeah, it's just been really amazing to see what's been happening through Watermark. Uh, Hong Kong University is ranked number one university in Asia. It has 28,000 students, and it's right in the middle of our church neighborhood and when you think about it like i think one thing that i've seen over the years is we think about university students just being there and study but i see a tremendous amount of brokenness uh, loneliness people struggling um with just figuring out life and they are right in the heart of of our community and so when, from from the beginning when we started watermark just seeing uh to getting to know their stories and meeting the students uh it's just been obvious that this is something that is too big for anyone to do. It's too much for a staff member to do. It's too much to do for the volunteers, for a whole church. There are 28,000 students. And so um, I just want to share two developments that I've seen over this past year. The first one is um, student ownership. So we have really seen a lot of students not just being on the receiving end, but actually stepping up and to to see that they need to reach out and in the lecture theaters, in the dorm rooms, in, in the, on the lunch tables to reach out to their fellow students to share the love of Christ, to be the hands and feet to their roommates struggling and figuring out life. And the other part is uh, just church involvement and church integration and uh, people within the church stepping up to getting to know the students that walk through the doors and, and using their the time and their, their energy to reach out to the students. And Jason Is representative for many of of you who have been using their gifts over this past year to reach the students. And I just wanted to Jason to share a little bit about their community group adopting the students and what they have been doing. Uh,
3: First of all, I'd like to ask my CG members and uh, those who have been involved in the university uh, ministry work to stand up so that people can recognize you, they can come to you with questions. Later on, they also feel called. Can I have my CG members to stand up? Uh, only two. <laughs> uh, it's really an honor to work alongside with uh, Mike and Katie. I think they've been doing a fantastic job. If you have noticed, um, many of the people who got baptized in our church are from their ministry. So they've been doing a fantastic job uh, shepherding, um, reaching out, and... Um, helping the university kids. I like to call them kids. Uh, we as a CG felt called to, to work with uh, Mike and Katie because um, many of us were once away from home for school and many of, um, of us have our own children and we think it's very important to help the younger generation during the time in the university because this world has become even more confusing than we were younger. RCG have been involved um, with the uh, university uh, ministry uh, in several ways. Uh, we hosted uh, dinner events. Uh, we were involved in the inter- uh, Encounter Cafe, uh, the career forum, and the career uh, panels. Um, like all other volunteers, uh, we all feel blessed tremendously when we serve. Uh, because uh, uh, we uh, older people like to talk about um, ourselves. So we like to share with us kids, our failures and some of the stories. And when we share, uh, very often we recall how God picked us up when we fell, and how we were lost and Jesus showed the way and bring people into the doors uh, to help us. So I would encourage all of you, uh, it doesn't take a lot of time, Uh, to contact Mike and Katie to work alongside with them. And strategically, our church is located very close to Hong Kong. There must be a reason. So if you're willing and you are able, please contact them. Uh, And and the kids are very lovely. Uh, The questions that they ask are very profound. And then you'll be surprised that uh, we're actually... Uh, get a lot of enlightenment and help from those kids um, as well.
7: Yeah, so just to to close, as we look in the future, um, Tobin shared about the redemption journey and just seeing how things are broken in this world, but God is is restoring things. He's in Christ to restore things. And that's, I think, our hope. And that will be our hope till Christ comes back that we will see lives redeemed and Students that don't know him getting to know him and students that know him being restored in their lives. And wherever you feel you want to be a part of that, you're welcome to, to join us and talk to Jason and his community group and learn more about that.
8: My name is Chris. I help uh, oversee community groups. And this is Oscar, who is uh, a community group leader. Um, community groups in, in Watermark are really at the heart of, community, of life here, uh, of the church. And in, in a place like Hong Kong, where so many people are uh, living isolated lives, lives just focused around themselves and their work, we, we want our community groups to be um, real families where people can walk alongside each other, where we can grow together to be like Jesus better. And, and over the last year, we've seen um, groups just developing a greater sense of community together. We've seen people setting up WhatsApp groups where they, they pray for each other, they encourage each other daily. We've seen people um, doing hikes together, people walking through the, the challenges of life together. And not just that, the community group is not just also about meeting our own spiritual needs, it's also about reaching out. And that's also something we've seen just increasingly <coughs> Excuse me, over the last... Uh, over the last year, we've seen um, uh, one group spearheading uh, an outreach to um, some homeless and elderly. We've seen others going into old people's homes, giving bread. We've seen other groups which have been holding barbecues or uh, junk boat trips, wine and cheese parties. All of these with a, with a view for actually encouraging people in a non-threatening environment to see the kind of community that God is creating. Just this week, um, one lady um, who's only here for a week said, you know, I've been spending time around your community group and this has been the best week of my life. She said, I've never been so loved in all my life. And she actually accepted Christ this week. And that's really the heart of what community is all about. So I'm going to hand over just to Oscar, just to tell us a bit about his community group
9: yeah as um as Chris mentioned, my name is Oscar, and by the way Graham I'm no one special either um, uh, i I help lead a community group here, meets on Friday nights. Um, I would characterize our group as as being pretty diverse, I would say we hail from uh, many different countries um u s canada uh here in hong kong um and Pastor Tobin even Australia uh we've invited one of one of them as well um, but uh no. <laughs> Um, even though we're, we're, we sort of come from very diverse backgrounds um, and have different perspectives, we still face many esteemed challenges of living life in Hong Kong. Uh, whether it's with uh, long hours at work, or dealing with relationships, or trying to figure out what our what our ministry calling is, um, we all face many different challenges. And it's great to have Christians to walk alongside for both godly support and and, um, and accountability as well um, as we live life in Hong Kong. Um, for us, uh, dinner is very important part of our community group. Um, we believe that sharing a meal is an expression of, um, of, of, of community um, and fellowship. And uh, we're very fortunate to have many talented chefs and bakers in our group. Um, not me, of course. Um, but, um, but oftentimes, Friday night is uh, one of the best meals of the week for me. Um, <laughs> so thank you guys for that. Um, no, but uh, as Chris mentioned, outreach is is something which is very important, and we're trying to make it make it a culture in our group. Um, in the past, we've um, we've done uh, musical gigs where um, some of our members have, have performed, like Jeremy and Celeste, and uh, we've invited our non-Christian friends or, or colleagues to these events. And it's been a great way just to sort of hang out in, um, in a social environment where there's you know, no pressure, but this is a, a Christian event, um, but and yet, but at the same time, um, non-believers can still see that, you know, people that believe in God and the Bible are actually quite normal and fun, um, believe it or not. And um, so those the, the, the things that we like, we like to do um, uh, today. I think a couple of our members are visiting a um, an elderly home. Um, I think Ed's mom is even going to sing there as well. So that's that's great. So, um, so yeah, I hope this gives you guys a good flavor of of, um, of my our, our community group. And uh, if you haven't joined a community group yet, I encourage you to sign up. Thank you. So just what we're, where we're heading
8: next is, we would love to see over the next year um, new groups started in, in, on the Kowloon side, on South Hong Kong, um, Hong Kong Island side, even Discovery Bay, Park Island. We're, we're all the time looking to see how we can um, enter into new areas which can impact the neighborhood around. Um, to do this, we also want to be raising up new leaders and training new leaders uh, to be able to take on these groups. Um, We also would love to see um, present leaders equipped more and groups developing an even greater sense of uh, a culture of discipleship even more. And and finally, we would love to see community groups even working together using their gifts, their talents, their passions to reach out to those around them. So that as as we work together, people can see the love we have for each other and they can be infected with that so that they want to know the love of Jesus.
10: Hi, guys. My name is Aldrin. I'm part of the staff, and I'm in charge of the Filipino ministry.
11: I'm Arnel. I'm also part of the Filipino ministry.
10: All right. Just to share a bit of a background, um, I think this is my sixth month here in Hong Kong, and during my earlier months, uh, God just opened my eyes to see the challenges of my fellow Filipinos, and I saw um, challenges like... um, Broken families, um, loneliness or homesickness, some are into drug addiction. But I also see this hope that God could save them and heal all their brokenness, and God could use them to reach out to more people, to more families, because most of them are helpers and they have access to places or to homes um, which we couldn't access. So um um, right now, we have two groups. We have a group meeting in Poon, that's in the community center after the service at 2 p.m., consisting mostly of helpers. But we also um, have another group that meets uh, every Wednesday, and it's in Puyo, which is an island in Lant- uh which is a part of Lantau Island, where um, many Filipino, um, Filipino musicians reside. And um, Arnel is from Puyo. So do you want to share to us?
11: Yeah, I just tra- transferred there last year. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, like Aldrin said, uh, there's a lot of Filipino uh, living there, and also a lot of um, expats uh, moving in in Puyo and actually in different parts of Lantau. Uh, we we meet during Wednesday, during lunchtime. Yeah, and. Um, currently we're uh, ministering to three families already the difference with our um uh ministry here in in a city is that in in puyo we're ministering to filipino families wherein um they've been living here for many years already their kids are born here in hong kong yeah and um um we're we're start we just started last year and um god is good and uh We see a lot of uh, opportunity in ministering to these families, uh, especially the kids. Uh, I live just in front of the school, and kids running around after school, and there's a big opportunity in ministering with these kids. Um, We are praying for more wisdom in how to um, bring them the gospel, and you can help us by praying uh, that uh, God give us more wisdom Energy and wisdom.
10: I think that's great. Um, right now, we are in the process of reaching out to more Filipinos. Uh, we've done outreach just last month, and we also have done um, a retreat last week. And um, we're also emphasizing on training up leaders and discipling more. And um, I think there's just a huge potential for this kind of ministry because, as I've mentioned, most of Filipinos are helpers and in Western District alone, there are 13,000 Filipinos. That's big, 13,000 of them. Many of them are helpers and they have access to homes, to families. And and the, the good thing is you can take part in this ministry by praying for more opportunities in Puyo and also by help us to build network, by inviting your your helpers to join our community because maybe Maybe your helpers, each of them have like five to ten friends who are also helpers, and maybe they don't know Jesus yet. We just want to welcome them in this community and just share them the love of God. And through them, the hope is they will also share the love of God in homes, in households where Jesus is not known, right? So 13,000 of them. So yeah, just um, pray for God's wisdom. Invite your helpers to join our community. We meet every Sunday at the community center at two p.m. And uh, yeah, and we're we're excited for uh, for what God has in store. We hope that this year we'll be able to double our numbers and just really, you know, just welcome them in the, in our community.
12: Thank you, guys.
13: My name is Jeremy.
12: Uh, Millen, hi, And uh, we're
13: going to talk a little bit about worship arts. I just want to clear up and, and make clear, you know, worship arts is really about using all of the arts um, in our worship of God, you know, not just music. And, you know, today in the church, we often kind of equate worship with music and singing. And, you know, because I'm leading the singing, I'm often called the worship leader. But you know, although worship and, and music, you know, they, they do have a lot of similarities in Watermark, it really isn't the only aspect. You know, we try a lot of things with multimedia, um, we try things with drama and sketches, Charles has done some amazing stuff before as well as other people. And, and so there's different things to that, and there's also the whole b- kind of background aspect to it, production. Audiovisual, like in a church of our size, none of the the music and the worship arts would really be possible without this foundation that's kind of kind of beneath everything. And you know, I kind of just to share briefly. I remember when I was younger, you know, and, and starting to lead in my college ministry. You know, one of the things I still remember as being most memorable about our worship services in terms of serving was, you know, wasn't speaking to my group or or playing in the band, but I remember for some reason ten years later. You know, it was, it was setting up chairs before service because, I don't know, it was just so simple. And, you know, I was just setting up chairs there and I knew I was doing it for God. You know, I was doing it for my dad. And I knew that he was happy because I was worshipping him through setting up these, these chairs. Um, so, I guess all this is to say, what you see on stage here, that really is just one perspective of worship and worship arts, and I'm reminded that everything that goes into facilitating this place, all the sound, all the preparation, all of that is part of leading worship. The person who sets up, packs up, rolls cables, um, all of that is part of setting this beautiful table and banquet table for us to experience fellowship with God. So what I want to do is I want to highlight the production aspect of worship arts right now. Um, Not only because it's an important need in our church, but because there's actually so much potential that that we see for for community, for serving together, um, for actually experiencing worship leading and, and serving through production and setting up. Millen here is a worship leader through production and all things visual and audio, so I'm just going to hand this over to him and and ask him to share a little bit. Thanks, Millen.
12: Thank you, Jeremy. Um, My name is Millen, um, and this is more scary to me than being at the back there, handling all the knobs. Um, I'm the sound tech guy here at Watermark, and um, everything I do right now is as a volunteer. Um, It's crazy, intense, but it is so fulfilling each and every week. Um, I am not a sound tech guy by profession. Um, the day Tobin asked me to come to Watermark three years ago was actually when I actually started learning about professional audio. And there's been a lot of times when batteries would be dead and you know have to go up on stage and change it in, in the middle of the sermon, but you know that's what part of learning it has always been about. Uh, We have a lot of really, really awesome musicians here at Watermark. Um, And the job of the sound tech people at the back is to help everybody worship together. Um, It can seem stressful and overwhelming at times, but it does get easier. Um, And once you understand how everything fits together, you know, there there is that sense of accomplishment that you have with it. Um, Parents. Um, I completely understand the fascination kids have with the equipment. And we are very open to, um, to, to letting your kids help out. It's also a great way for your kids to get involved. Um, when I was a kid, I used to take apart stereo systems all the time, you know, and my, my bed underneath my bed would be littered with components and stuff like that. And, you know, that's how we get started. Um, we need more volunteers. We need people who understand sound and can work under a stressful situation. Uh, If you're not tone deaf and can commit to helping at least once or twice a month, you know, starting at 7.30 in the morning, uh, please come and talk to Jeremy or or, or I. Um, If you're unsure whether you are competent enough, please try at least once. Um, You never know, this may be God's gifting to, to you. Um, We currently have two teams, but we do want to have uh, up to four teams um, which includes setting up in the morning, manning the soundboard, and also putting the lyrics up on the screen. Um, Including the sound engineer, we need at least five people each week uh, to help with uh, uh, setting up um, so that we can be done within an hour uh, because rehearsals usually start around 8.30 in the morning. if you have previous experience and want to get involved, please come and talk to us wives, husbands. Um, if your other half uh, knows this stuff but isn 't stepping forward, please help me give them a gentle but firm kick in the butt.
13: <laughs> Thanks, Milan. and just as Milan said, you know there 's the setup there 's actually the lyrics that you see they don 't come up automatically jackie 's back there and, and the sound actually mixing so there 's actually different roles for different levels of skill. And I really want to just paint this picture of, you know, it would be so cool just to have, like, you know, you know how we have, like, bands, like, actually have, like, tech bands. You know, we, we spend time together, we, we practice together, um, we'll give morning calls to each other, we'll kind of keep each other accountable, um, we'll buy each other coffee, and all that. And I just think it would be an amazing thing not just to grow as, oh, I'm just here rolling cables, but I'm actually, you know, working alongside Milan and whoever else. I'm actually... You know, we're actually doing this together and grinding through this together, so, so please pray about that, and, um, and yeah, thank you for listening. Good morning, Watermark. The world is very
14: good at celebrating. I believe that as God's people, we have even bigger reason to celebrate what's God been doing in our church, Watermark, over the past year, and we are going to do just that by, believe it or not, talking about finances. Now this is Franklin. Um, he's he's uh, very important, actually. <laughs> he's he's our, one of our elders at Watermark, and you can kind of tell with the suit. And <laughs> my name is Kelvin. Um, I'm Cindy's husband. And for for those of you who don't know Cindy, if you you know if you still need a donation receipt, that's the person you go after. Now 17th of June. 2012 was a very, very happy day at Watermark. Instead of being passed around a little bag, if you can call that a bag, to put money into, we were actually given money by our pastor. You can see up there. I still keep mine because... Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, without... um, Going into the the legality of defacing the U.S. one dollar bill, <laughs> or the sermon, which I highly recommend you to go back to, you know, 17th of June, 2012. I had a big takeaway on that week. Okay. Then the takeaway was if I were just looking at all the belongings and all the money God has given me, and have a big smile on my face and say to myself Kelvin eat, drink take it easy and be merry then I am worshipping myself and the money and not worshipping God who gave me the money so on this slide you see that I'm very glad, actually, to report that the giving in Watermark has increased by 19% over the past year. Very so often, you hear Tobin saying up here that money is a huge idol in a lot of our lives. It's an indication of our spiritual health. It's a strong indication. And also, it's a reflection of how we respond to the way God is changing our lives and what God, God is doing in our lives. And looking at these numbers, without going into too much detail into the breakdown, you know, I, I believe that as a church, that spiritually we are growing. Of course, there are many factors that can contribute to a 19% increase. It could be numbers, number of people, could be many things. But I believe that God is really changing lives in watermark. So on the next slide, you te- you see the breakdown of the expenses over the past year, and you notice that the top three areas is personnel cost, Sunday worship and ser- service and worship, and facilities uh, community center. Now some of you might ask, you know, why are we spending so so such a big portion of our expenses on personnel? Well, I think the answer to that could be it depends on whether we believe a church is a building with a pointy roof and a bell going up the top. Or is it a a people who believe in God and wants to become part of the mission? If you were here last year at this Compass meeting, you would have seen me putting up four pictures there, three pictures or four pictures of the staff team when we first started the church two and a half years ago. Today, not in any particular order, you see our staff team growing to about 15 people. Yeah. I feel that when I was looking at the video um, earlier today about how a little church was starting in Meifu and what we are doing right now, I had tears coming to my eyes. It's because of my unfaithfulness, because I believe... Because I never really believed how big our God is. How big our God is. So if you look at the mission statement in our booklet today, you all have a booklet on your chair. Part of it is talking about if you come here to Watermark, what you will experience is taking and joining us in taking the next step in becoming fully functioning followers of Christ. Over the last year, um, these are some of the things which I've personally benefited and experienced in making that step. Baby steps, but, but making a step. I'm not going to go through the details of what happened with Michael Ramston teaching us about how to share our faith, um, Dr. Hannah giving leadership training to many of the church leaders here in what to focus on in terms of church planting and so on. Mark Tedder helping us understand, get a better understanding of what worship arts and worshiping, and how to set the table with with uh, worshiping God. You know, either in a service or on, even on a day-to-day basis. But the biggest thing that changed that I benefited from was the marriage course, which Tobin and Christina led. Last year, I think over by now over 30 couples in the church, so times two is 60 people would have actually benefited from that. And for me personally, you know, it completely changed the way I do marriage, how we handle conflicts at home. And also, it just really, when I look back, it was a turning point in our struggling marriage, which was a very dark place last year. So you see this is a very busy slide, very busy. We've been outreaching, and, we've, and as a church, as a whole, we've been giving to different organizations. You see a bunch of logos in the middle, Redeemer City to City, Global Mosaic, First Vision, Ganga, Friends of Hong Kong, Charities in the middle, and a pair of hands. Anyone know that a pair of hands? No? It's actually a Facebook icon for... Uh, Worship Planet, which is the Mark Tater organization that specializes in uh, teaching worship. Yeah. On the right, you see, very busy, right? We had Easter outreach, we had Christmas outreach at the community center, we had Christmas outreach, Funland, at, um, at Cyberport just a few months ago. And, and it really breaks my heart, okay, during that outreach to see that there were a thousand families who came to the table our booth, who didn't know that Christmas was really to celebrate the birthday of Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful that through that experience, through that exercise, that Jesus' name was uplifted. And then the kids and the father and mother say, oh, really? Okay, Jesus Christ, all right, yeah. okay. Sunday school is over here. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah it's, it was really... Uh, uh, I feel that it was the, the impact was absolutely huge. And on the left-hand side, you see that um, there was St. Barnabas outreach up the top left. We had Stand for Freedom um, going on at the university just a few months ago. That absolutely killed my Facebook, by the way. You guys just, all the videos. videos. And uh, down at bottom uh, was uh, our university mission um, and team going out to the Philippines uh, to reach out and to help with church planning. So all this, sometimes we feel like, hey, we should we pat ourselves on the back? But no, it's really God is doing all these things. And my hope and prayer is by next time, this, by this year, next, sorry, by next year, this time, these pages will be filled with even more opportunities as God do amazing work in Hong Kong using us.
15: Thank you, Kelvin. Um, the Lord has really blessed uh, Watermark tremendously over the past two years, not only financially, but with many dedicated individuals who were able to carry out the, mission, the ministries with limited resources. Uh, we have witnessed the growth of the church in attendance, children, youth, in Hong Kong U and the community groups. As we look ahead in 2013, uh, there will be a 22% increase in the ministry budget. Uh, The increase is really into all areas, which is in your booklet there. All areas we're projecting growth, as you have heard from the presentations before me. The biggest increase is in the rent for Cyberport. As you all know, this area is maturing, the rent is always a challenge, but we are thankful and we do not have to switch between three places anymore this year uh, as Cyberport committed to give us either third floor or ninth floor on Sundays which is a big blessing for us. As you all know, we, you know, Kevin just mentioned, we don't pass an offering back like many other churches does, but we have witnessed your generosity by giving in faith. You have shown us that you have not, you have given not out of obligations, but truly out of your love for Jesus Christ, the gospel, and our growing church family. For that, we're very, very thankful. As I'm preparing for this, um, presentation, a verse that came to my mind in Luke twelve forty eight. It says, from everyone who has given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. So this is the details of the expenses. There's a little simple chart here to show that our God is not resting after two years. And since last year, we've been amazed at how the Lord continued to move people's hearts, committing in joining Watermark to plant another church, not only with great faith, but with action in giving to the designated Offering Fund, earmarked for church planting. The fund has reached $1.9 million this year. Planting a church is not something that a few of us can do. So we're presenting this challenge and vision to all of you. God has already provided us with the seed money, the $1.9 million. As you see the diagram, watermark itself grow a little bit, but we're looking at the green, which is the new church. He has also brought people along uh, with many more training planned for the rest of the year would like to ask all of you to pray together asking the lord to make it clear to the leadership team as to when and where he will want us to plant the next church we continue to see how god has blessed us with godly brothers who will be equipped and ready to go whenever the lord says yes okay so you saw a little bit of what god has
1: been doing Uh, and it's amazing to, to, as a pastor to see here and look at what he's doing and realize that more often than not it has nothing to do with how skilled I am or our staff is, but it's just what God is doing. And so I want to close here with just sharing a couple points and then give you some action points. Because uh, we have a meal, so you don't have to worry about catching a meal. Um, you will run out that door. That door is going to be locked. You can't go out there. It's electrified. Uh, you, have, you have to go out to the food door. But I want to share a couple points because we 've heard a lot of things in your booklet there 's a lot of things at the meal time you 'll have the freedom to ask people who are up here. If you have questions about the booklet, you can look at the elders and talk to them about those things and so it 's just neat to see what God is doing when we started to pray about the church and we started thinking about god 's kingdom and we started asking what kind of church did God want for us to plant here that would help his kingdom and we realized really quickly that in uh, some of us, we've never seen that type of church. It was, a, it was an act of faith. One of the things we kept saying was that we wanted, felt like God was calling us to plant a church that was for his glory and for the people who are not in church this Sunday. We start thinking about what would it would look like to have a church that was for the unchurched, the dechurched, and for the church. And what would that look like as we connect people and bring them together? One of the big values always was to have the kids in here with us. Uh, statistically, Whatever you think about great Sunday school programs, I think we have a great Sunday school program, but that doesn't guarantee your kids walking a lifetime with God. Actually, that probably is against that. What we've seen and what everyone has said, and I can give you 10,000 pages of information, that what enables our kids to walk with God and to understand that is to have them sitting with us, seeing their parents do communion, serve, ask questions, experience it, so that when they go off to the university, they understand the faith of their parents, they see their parents or have integrity, they see their parents live consistently they aren 't just shuttled off to another classroom where they don't see the parents worship, but they experience all these things and over and over and over what we 've seen is that that is how people walk consistently with the Lord. That's why we have our kids in here with us. I know that it's inconvenient for many of you until the kids leave. There's usually about 25 people standing up uh, until the kids leave, so you can go sit down. But our commitment is that we would do things holistically as a family, and that all age groups could work and serve and and be a part. To me, the most exciting thing was two Sundays ago when the youth band was up here serving, and when I come in, I see the kids Pulling cables and serving in that sense, uh, to me, that is uh, amazing. One of the things we prayed about as we thought about God's kingdom coming is we wanted to be a church where people, even if they weren't in church, but they had friends who wanted to hear about church or learn about spiritual things, that watermark would come to their mind. And they would say, you know, I don't go to church, but I do know a church. It's over there. Why don't you go check it out? And that happens over and over and over again, and to me that is pretty amazing how God is using people who aren't in church to bring people to church here in that sense. We continue to pray about a church that we could be theologically sound, that people can come from different stages of life. We have people who come from all different denominations here, but we preach the gospel. We, We 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 are orthodox in our theology, but that we're also a place like after sermons where people can ask questions. And we want people to understand that even if they don't agree everything with what we say, or they have a struggle with that, that there's a freedom to talk about that, to dialogue about that. And our prayer is that people would walk away and they would think, wow, I don't know if I agree with everything, but I, I love the spirit of those people, and I love what God is doing in their midst. And that is something that I hear over and over and over again, and that is so humbling to me, to hear people talk about you as a church. We realize that people are not going to see Christ in you until they see the church loving each other, and caring for each other. The Bible says over and over again that we're called to do the one another's for each other. We're called to love one another. We're called to care for one another. We're called to forgive one another. We're called to serve one another. We're called to be exhorting one another. And if we don't do those things, as we talk about our faith with people, our faith is meaningless. And so it's amazing that God is continuing to develop a community of faith, which you're sitting in here right now, in changing people's lives, and he's using that to reach out to people and bring them into the, the, the church. Um, you know, we prayed, and in your booklet, we pray a lot about planting churches. We pray a lot about leadership development. Uh, this next year, we have the opportunity, whether you know or not, to develop over 2,000 leaders in Asia they're going to be in a community center. They're having these big events happening. And all of these are just because of what God is doing in the church because we feel like God has called us to, to raise up leaders. We reach out at Hong Kong U. Do Hong Kong students at university do a lot of tithe? No, they don't. But they are very strategic because they are going to be the leaders. And as they learn and they grow and they fall in love with Christ, all those things will happen. What do we need from you as a family? What do we ask us as a church family, as we live in between this time of redemption and restoration, what is God calling us to do? And I want to share with you four things, and then we're going to go eat. And the first thing I think that we are called to do as God's people amidst this time, this C.S. Lewis called it a shadow time. We see God, but we experience pain and suffering, and we know that one day he's going to come, and all things are going to be new. What are we called to do here as God's people? first thing is we're called to pray. God has called us people to pray because the work is his work. We're called to pray, and all these things that you've heard, all the things you've read in the book, those are not things humanly possible. The only way those things are going to happen is if God touches people's hearts and shows them that this is what we've called you to do. So we ask you to pray. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the elders. Pray for the ministries. Pray for your community groups. Pray for your neighborhoods. Pray for my wife. She has to put up with me, and if you know me, that's really hard for her. So you need to pray for all of these things going on. That's a joke. You can laugh, okay? Uh, But it's true. But you need to be praying. We need to be praying as a church that God's hand would move. The second thing that we we feel like we are called to do as a church in this middle time is that we're called to invest. And what I mean by that is we're called to invest our time and our life in the people around us. We don't have a lot of programs going on here. We want you to have free time in this busy world because we believe that you are called to reach out to the people in your neighborhood who aren't in church. Yeah, we could do 50 things. We could have five things going every night, but if that happens as a church, chances are you're not going to be out reaching out to your friends who aren't in church because you're going to be so busy hanging out with people who are already in church, which is good, but it's not why God has called us here. God has called us here as his people to reach out to people who don't know him. And so we want you to pray, we want you to invest, we want you to volunteer. We want you, as as I think as Graham said, we want you to invest in the kids and the ministries here. We believe with all our heart that if you're not serving, you're not experiencing God's blessing in your life. I know that's hard to hear, but God has made us to serve. And he's given each one of you talents and gifts that we desperately need. There are a lot of things in that book that aren't in that book because you're not serving and you haven't, we haven't heard God speak to you and you haven't been able to come and tell us, you know, God has been working in my heart and I think we need to do this. We need you to serve. Our prayer is that everybody, and it's amazing, we have incredible, incredible servants and volunteers in our church. I would say probably statistically, We have probably more volunteers per capita than most churches I've ever heard of. And I think that's why we're so healthy. But I think that we can't stop there because we want to remain healthy and we want you to be healthy. And so our prayer is that everybody in Watermark would serve at least once a month in some capacity within the community. So we need you to pray. We need you to invest in your friends. We need to serve and volunteer. And the fourth one is we need, we need you to give financially. We don't talk about, we don't pass money, but we talk about money a lot because it's, is an idol in our life. But the things that we talked about, the things that we shared, the things in those books, those are going to cost a lot of money. Planning churches, reaching out to community centers, helping people in nursing homes, seeing God renew this part of Hong Kong Island, doing ministry, doing missions, that that costs money. And so we, so hear my heart here. (laughs) I don't want you to give because you think the church needs your money. Please do not do that. Okay, my elders will kill me or someone in finance will kill me. Don't don't do that. Give because you love God and you know that God wants you to do that because it's an act of worship. Did you hear me there? Don't give because you think the church needs your money because we're in deficit. Well, we're not. It's amazing, God. Continue. You are faithful and you give. Give because it's an act of worship. You love God and God has called you to do that. That's how this church is going to continue. That's how God is going to use it and and that's how you're going to be a part of it. So we need you to pray, we need you to invest, we need you to volunteer or to invest in the people, and we, and we need you to give of the money that God has given to you. you. You're right, you might look at us and say, well, they don't really need the money because it's already 1.9 saved up. And, and, and you're right, we, pro- we, we probably don't need your money. God will, God will bring money in through other people and through other things, but the moment you say that, you've, you've, you've lost the heart of what God's doing in the church. You've lost the vision for reaching out to people who aren't in church today. And so we'd ask you to pray, we'd ask you to invest, we'd ask you to serve or invest in the people, and we'd ask you to give. Okay? So that's where we're at. We're on this journey. To me, every day I walk into the office, it's not day like, ugh. I mean, this week, this week, I know of five people in our church family who came to Christ. Five people. are here. They came in as not Christ followers. They're asking questions. They're in a community group. They're having people love them. They're having people care for them. One lady said, I had no choice but to do that because that group, they're like bulldogs. They just clamped onto me, and they kept loving me, and they kept caring for me. And I was like, wow. (laughs) That's what I want, right? That's what we want. We want to be be bulldogs. And so I'm I'm going to, uh, what I want to do is, as we grow, we pray for a lot of things, and the, the biggest thing we pray for is just leaders, And so I'm going to ask two men to come up, uh, who we have put before you two weeks ago, uh, Andrew McPherson and his wife, Nicole, and Graham Smith and uh, Irina. We want you to come up here, and I'm going to ask Christina to come up, and I'm going to ask the other elders, Charles and Franklin. As we pray, as we think about planning churches, it's going to mean we need people who have a heart for that. They're they're men and leaders. And so we brought up uh, Andrew and Nicole and Graham and Irina, they have been a part of the church for uh, two years. I remember my first time I met uh, Nicole was at our beach outreach, uh, and, and they have been serving. You've seen them serve. You've seen them give, and, uh, and just to be frank, you know, we're talking about we're here to reach lost people, and uh, what more lost places are than Australia, right? <laughs> so we figured we need Australian elders to come in there and help with that, right? So I'm teasing, okay? I love Australia. They're some of my best friends. Uh, uh, but I, I can't, I can't tease New Zealanders because Kiwis are too sensitive. But I, 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 right, Bernard? Ah. But I, I could tease, I could tease Australians, right? Uh, anyway, so uh, they have gone through. We've met with them for over a year. They've been in elder training. Uh, we believe they have the DNA of the church and the heart of the church, and they are the people that we we believe that God has brought before our family to shepherd you, to pray for you, to care for you to be the leader, to be the father. An elder is a father, a shepherd in the church. When you think of elders, you think of what would every family be like in a church if they copied their elders or their leaders? And that is the goal to have men who are they are not perfect, they're sinful, we're all broken, uh, but they're walking with the Lord, and that is our desire. And so, um, so what we did is we, we put together a plaque for them. You got this one? And so... I'm going to present this to them, and then we're going to pray for them, okay? Uh, So this is uh, Elder Certificate, Andrew McPherson, and and Nicole, you are the huge part of that, because behind every uh, man, there's a woman ten times better than he is. Uh, uh, Andrew McPherson is having passed all the biblical requirements and qualifying distinctives of Watermark Community Church for the office of church elder, Uh, Your desire to serve, your faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice has resulted in countless people being influenced for your savior. We love you, the Watermark family. So we want to give you that and just thank you for yeah yeah. And then we have a same uh, for Graham. Graham is uh, he's from uh, South Africa, so he's he's helping in that area. But in the same way, uh, your desire, your service, your faithfulness, your commitment, and sacrifice have resulted in countless people be an influence for our Savior, despite what you say about people sleeping in church <laughs> when the kids come in, uh, but uh, we are so thankful for both of you guys as families, and for Charles and for Franklin, because uh, I don't want to be a leader by myself, and that is very unhealthy, but God has brought these families to us, and so we would ask that you uh, pray for them, encourage them, and, and ask them questions, and uh, they, they are the ones God has put over the Watermark family for vision, direction, and accountability for future. So what I would like to do is I'd like to pray with you guys. Is that good? You want to come with me? So let's just hold hands and would you guys bow with us and let's pray. Father, we just thank you for these couples who have been serving for two years. They've gone through the process and we've already seen that they're already doing the works of elders. We pray for them. We pray for Andrew and Nicole and their three kiddos. We pray for Graham and Irina and their one kiddo and one on the way. We pray just for your mercy. We pray for grace. We pray, we pray that we would pray for our leaders and know that you have anointed them to be a part of this church and to encourage them uh, as they walk with you. Help them to be holy. We know the spiritual battle is real and true. And so we just thank you for them. Uh, help us to be a church that uh, lifts up our leaders and prays for them and, uh, and, and exhorts them and encourages them in all these things. And so we thank you for these four amazing families. And we just thank you, uh, for your blessing upon them. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so I think that's uh. <laughs> okay. Uh, as we grow, there's a thing, as we, the staff is growing, uh, we have three, tarps of, three types of staff. We have staff, we have interns who raise support to be working for the church, and we have church planners. And so in this last six months, we've had several staff come. Uh, yesterday, we had one staff join us for the first time, so, Alistair, you want to come on up. Uh, Al, uh, Aldrin wants you to come on up. Um, Alfie, come on up. Uh, yep, yep. Henrika, come on up. And so, I want to present these. These are these are people that God has brought to Watermark to serve and be a part of this. So, Alistair, for, uh, Alistair and I have been fighting, skyping for two years. Alistair is a pastor in uh, in, in Australia. We Australians need to help, we brought him here, uh, and he, he, he's in Sydney uh, in, with the Anglican Church, and he, uh, when he heard about what God was doing in our church and the desire to plant churches and to be a part of what God is going on, uh, he has graciously uh, joined us, and so this is his first day as our new pastor at Watermark, and so you can pray for him, uh, it's, it's, yeah, we are so thankful you're here. And you'll get a chance to hear talk and listen to his funny accent later on. At, at Aldrin has come back. Aldrin did an internship, and he's come back as full-time a Filipino pastor. So now we have two other pastors here that are serving and praying through what does it look like for them to plant a church within those congregations. And so that is amazing. Henrika was a college student. You heard her testimony. She's actually raising support right now so that she can come to Watermark as an intern and serve the church. And so she's, she's raising her own support so she can come. And serve the church that's that's pretty amazing isn't it and so she's going to be involved in the university ministry and serving that so we can pray for her and alfie has been here for four, six months alfie is, is in turn he's like a jack of all trade he has a heart for planning churches he's involved in the university ministry he's involved in the youth ministry and what else are you involved in
0: <laughs>
1: yeah set up yeah <laughs> training and teaching with chris thornton And uh, he has been doing uh, an amazing job, and so he is actually here as an intern, too, uh, making not a lot of money, doing a lot of stuff to serve the Watermark family. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for them, and then I'll pray for our meal, and then you are free to eat. Please grab some time with these people, meet them, talk to them, ask me any questions. Look at the booklets. Uh, They're just a snapshot of what's going on this last year, but hopefully it's encouraging to you. And, and and just gives you something to pray for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, these, these servants who've come to serve uh, your church here and for future churches. As we think about planning churches and moving forward, and just the right people, and I know there are people in this congregation who will be a part of that as they step out of fa- in faith and go to different areas of Hong Kong on the south side and in TST and other places, we've been dreaming about planning churches to reach people who aren't in church this Sunday. We pray for them, Father. We thank you that you brought them here, some in, in amazingly different and diverse ways we could never have planned, but it's so clear that you are moving and you're changing uh, your kingdom. Help us to be a church that is about your kingdom and not our kingdom. Help us be a church that is about lost people. Help us to be a church that is, lives well between the here and now and not yet, and that we look forward to when you come again and you make all things new. So I thank you for my brothers and sisters here and the leadership. And for all those who serve and are part of this church, everyone in this family, we're all family. Pray for us, Lord. We pray that we would love you, we would love each other, and we love our neighbors. And we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.